0: joy to worship christ with you this lord's day thank the praise team for leading us in the songs of praise and thank you Huey, for sharing with us this morning it's our joy to open the word of god together so if you have your bibles please open to the fourth chapter of the book of philippians philippians chapter four this morning This is going to be our final message from the book of Philippians and it has been a joy to study this great epistle with you over the last number of months and I trust that you've been encouraged and blessed as God has taught us from his word and I just wanted to take this opportunity to thank you as a church, thank you for your faithfulness to the word of God and your humility before God's word and just desire to learn and to apply God's truth. Uh, This has been a great joy and privilege. Um, Next Sunday, as uh, Huey mentioned, Peter Malachar will be with us, ministering to us on Sunday morning, and then the following Sunday, March 25th, we will be starting a new series from the book of Ephesians. So we'll be starting Ephesians on March 25th, and some of you have already told me that you have begun reading and studying that book on your own, because you want to be prepared for that series. and just been so encouraged by your heart to uh, receive God's word. And so we will be looking forward to our study of that great book starting in two Sundays from now. Before this morning, we're concluding our study of the book of Philippians. And we are looking at Paul's final greetings to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 4, verses 21 to 23. And it reads as follows. Paul says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Would you pray with me as we come to God's word? Father, thank you for the privilege of studying your word. Our heart this morning is to submit ourselves under the teaching of your scripture. And so give us ears to hear and Holy Spirit, illumine our hearts that we may glorify you in how we respond to your truth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You would think that a passage like this would not have that much to teach us as a church. This is the equivalent of an email signature, a final goodbye. This is Paul signing off, giving his final farewells. But I suppose it's part of the genius of Scripture that even a passage like this in Philippians is filled with great spiritual instruction for our souls. These three verses are part of God's holy instruction to us. And these three verses are Paul's final greetings to the Philippian church. Now you remember at the beginning of this epistle, Paul gave his initial greetings to the Philippian church. He said back in chapter 1, verse 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. Paul looked at the church and he saw the saints. He saw the Hagioi, the separated ones, those who had been set apart by God to be his own unique possession. And out of a heart of love and kindness toward the church, he greeted the saints of God in Christ Jesus. And he greeted them in the following way. He said, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That greeting was the gospel message in a nutshell. It was the essence of the gospel summarized in a single greeting to the church. Paul greeted the church in saying, grace to you. And that, brothers and sisters, is the essence of the gospel. The gospel message is a message of grace. It is God's unmerited favor being given to guilty sinners. Paul begins his letter to the Philippians by saying, grace to you. You are the recipients of God's divine favor. You have done nothing to earn it. And nothing to work for it, God has given to, to you because of his grace. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. And Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed for man to die once and then face judgment. And yet the glory of the gospel is simply this, that this holy, righteous, perfect God, who is the judge of all the earth and whose eyes are too pure to look upon evil, has unleashed his holy anger, not upon you and me in hell, but upon a divinely appointed substitute who has come to die in our place. That substitute is the Lord Jesus Christ. God has crushed His Son in our place for our sins that we may receive eternal life. It's not just grace as an idea. It is grace as a concrete expression of God's favor extended to sinners like you and me. You and me were on our road to hell deserving only God's judgment because of the sins that we have committed and yet God has placed all of those sins on his son, Jesus Christ and he has punished his son in our place. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so the gospel message is a message of grace. It is grace to you. And Paul greets the church in this way. He says, grace to you. And what you notice, he says, grace and peace. Peace to you. We are those who have been reconciled to God the Father through the work of His Son, Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What an encouraging way to open his letter. What an encouraging way to extend his greetings to the church. Paul Opens the letter by affirming that the church are the saints of God, and then he opens the letter by affirming God's grace and peace in their lives. As we come to the end of Paul's letter in chapter 4, verses 21 to 23, we see that Paul concludes his letter with the same focus in which he began it. He concludes the letter by greeting the saints. And he concludes this letter by affirming God's grace to the church. And so those are the two simple points that I'm going to lay before you this morning. First of all, Paul's greeting to the church. And then secondly, God's grace to the saints. First of all, let's look at Paul's greetings to the church. Verse 21, Paul says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Now if you read the writings of the Apostle Paul, you'll note that greetings are very important to Paul. Greetings are very important to Paul. This is not some side thing that he's doing here when he's greeting the church. This is at the heart of his love and his affection for the church. Paul was constantly greeting the saints in Christ. 2 Timothy 4.19, Paul concluded his letter to Timothy with these words. He said, Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as does Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. Paul's heart was to greet the saints in Christ. In Titus 3.15, Paul concludes his letter by saying this, All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Greetings were very important to Paul. And Paul not only expressed his greetings to the church, but he called the church to greet one another in Christ. Here in verse 21, he makes his wishes clear where he says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. Not only am I extending my greetings to you, but I want you as a church to greet one another. Now, in the past four years or so, we have had two retreats in which we focused on the one another's of scripture. At those retreats, we have heard messages on topics such as Loving one another, restoring one another, being united with one another, being humble towards one another, encouraging one another. That, those two retreats have been just a foundational time for our church as we discussed body life in the church and how we are to practice the one another's toward each other. And there's always been a message that I've wanted to give. But we haven't yet had a third retreat on the one another's. If, but this is my opportunity to give that message. And the message that I wanted to give was on the topic of greeting one another. Greeting one another, which is one of the one another's in Scripture. And I guess if I really wanted to get your attention, I would name that message with a biblical title: "Greet." one another with a holy kiss because that is what scriptures say romans 16 16 greet one another with a holy kiss and first peter 5 14 says greet one another with the kiss of love i remember being in russia and in russia they take the bible very seriously And in Russia, they take the Bible very literally. And I was hoping in my time there to avoid the holy kiss. But there was one church where there was one dear older saint of God who just was overflowing with love for the saints. And right when I saw him greet, come in the room, I realized there's no way I'm going to avoid the holy kiss. (laughs) I mean, it's coming. And... um, I'm just glad I was in that church for just one Sunday. (laughs) But this is Paul's words. Greet one another with a holy kiss. You know, back in biblical times, a kiss was a customary expression of personal greeting. You may remember back in Luke chapter 7, Jesus came into the home of Simon the Pharisee. And Simon was upset because a sinful woman is worshiping Jesus. And Jesus said to Simon, I came into your home and you gave me no kiss. You didn't even greet me, Simon, as I came into your home. You know, the kiss was an expression of, of greeting and of welcome. You'll remember that when Jesus, Judas betrayed the Lord Jesus in the garden, he identified Jesus with a kiss. And so Paul says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now in American culture, I don't know if a kiss is really the customary expression of greeting. I think in our culture it's probably more a handshake or a backslap or a warm embrace or whatever it is. But the point in this text is Paul is saying is that when you greet one another as fellow Christians, you ought to do so with sanctified affection. There ought to be warmth and love in your heart as you greet one another in the church. Greet one another. Greet one another. This is one of the most basic and simple teachings found in Scripture, and yet I believe that sometimes it's the most basic teachings that have the most profound impact. It doesn't get any more simple than this we as a church are called to greet one another. And our greetings toward one another are an expression of love. Jesus said in John thirteen thirty four, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. We love one another because Christ has loved us. 1 John 4, verse 10 says, And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Because Christ has so loved us, so we are called to love one another. And brothers and sisters, can I say to you this, that if we love one another, then the most basic and simple expression of that love is we will greet one another with personal affection. We will greet one another. Paul says in verse 21 greet every saint in Christ Jesus. That word every in the Greek is very specific and it's very intentional. Paul doesn't say greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. You know, just greet Cornerstone Bible Church as a collective whole. Just greet the group. Hello, Cornerstone. That's not what he's saying here in verse 21. He says, greet every saint. Every individual Christian is loved by God. Every individual Christian has a name. Every individual Christian is part of the body of Christ. And so Paul says, don't just greet all the saints in a general way. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus If we look at the writings of Paul, we see that this is how Paul greeted the saints. I mean, if anyone could have just said, you know, I just have too many names to remember. I've just been to too many churches and preached in too many places. I don't remember your names. I mean, Paul could have had that excuse. But listen to how he greets the saints in Romans 16, verse 3. He says, Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Greet my beloved Apinatus. Greet Mary. Greet Andronicus and Junia. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. Greet Apelles. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, greet Philologus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus. Paul didn't just want to greet the church as a whole. He wanted to greet every saint in Christ Jesus. And he says to the church in verse 21, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. And would you notice that phrase in verse 21? He says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. In other words, greet every Christian because they belong to Christ. Greet every Christian because they they are Christ's own possession. That phrase, in Christ Jesus, refers to the union of the believer with Christ. The gospel message is that we have been united with Christ in his death and resurrection. We are not just with Christ. We are not just around Christ. We are in Christ. And so every Christian is in Christ. Christ Galatians 2 20 says I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me we are in Christ you are in Christ and if you are in Christ and I am in Christ then brothers and sisters I can greet you and you can greet me we can greet every saint in Christ Jesus now let me just shepherd you here a little bit and what Paul is not saying Paul is not saying that we ought to greet one another because of our common age group. You know, it's really easy for us to get into that routine. You know, where I'm a dad, so I greet other dads, and, and we talk about dad things, and I'm heading into my late 30s, and I greet the 30-somethings of the church, and we just feel a commonality because we have a common age group. He's not saying greet one another because of a common Life stage. I, I mean, that's really easy as well. That, that if you're single, then you greet other singles and you feel most comfortable with the singles and you kind of look at us married folks like we're kind of weird or strange. And, and it's, it's, it's just difficult to, to bridge that gap. He doesn't say greet one another because of your common experiences. That maybe you've gone to a certain school and there's another brother who's gone to that same school. And so you feel bonded with that because you have the same alma mater. And that is why you greet one another in Christ. Paul says none of those things are the basis of our greeting. We greet one another because we are in Christ Jesus. No matter what the age group, no matter what the life experiences, no matter what you've been through or, or what else we have in common, we have everything in common because we are in Christ. And if we are in Christ, then we can greet one another. Our greeting towards one another is not based upon anything else except that we are in Christ and Christ has loved us. And so, Paul says, we are to greet every saint in Christ Jesus. You know, those of you who know my wife, you know that she is a very warm and smiley person. She loves to greet people. I often joke with her that there's yet a person that she has met, who she hasn't liked. She likes everyone. And there are people like her in this church. You are just naturally warm. You naturally like to greet people. And if you all had your way, our greeting time and service would go an hour. We would just spend an hour. Just, nobody can sit down until every single person has greeted everyone else in this church because you just love people. You just love to see people. And I have to confess that I am not... I personally am not naturally like my wife. Um, I'm not naturally a fuzzy kind of person who likes to go around giving people bear hugs. I know a pastor friend of mine who every time he greets me, he greets me not with a holy kiss but with a holy bear hug. And it is a a painful experience because he has so much affection in his heart and sometimes I'm just like, uh, you know... I love you, brother, but I, I can't breathe. You know, because it's just—it's so intense. This affection he has for the saints, and—and and I'd love it if God had given me that kind of personality, but God just hasn't. I mean, I think if I went around the church on Sunday giving all of you bear hugs, you guys would be weirded out and going, "Damn, what's what's wrong with you?" And I've had to learn that greeting one another is not an expression of personality greeting one another is an expression of faith. Greeting one another is an expression of love. Greeting one another is an expression of our understanding of the gospel. It's understanding that we are are bound together by a common salvation, a common Christ, a common savior, a common union with Christ in his death and resurrection. And therefore... As an expression of our faith, we greet one another, not an expression of a certain personality type. If I, as a Christian, am loved by God, I will love other believers who are in Christ Jesus, and if I love other believers in Christ, I will greet them with warmth and personal affection. And so Paul says, greet one another. Greet one another. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. I believe this simple one another, if we were serious to apply it as a church, it would shape and form the culture of our body life here at Cornerstone. There is power in this simple one another. You know when Mina and I came to Cornerstone six years ago, there was one couple who went out of their way to greet us in Christ. On our first Sunday, and you know when you come And it's your first Sunday at Cornerstone. You don't know where anything is. You just, you don't know where the classes are. You don't know how to get snacks. You don't know where the restrooms are. You're just kind of walking in and this place looks unfamiliar. And there was one couple who just, they didn't know anything about us. They didn't know our names. They didn't know where we were from. They just, all they did is they just loved Christ. They loved Christ. They loved the church. They wanted to love us. And so they went out of their way to greet us in Christ. And I remember they showed us around, they showed us where to take our kids, they, they showed us how to get snacks, they showed us to the equipping uh, class, they even took us to our seats. And this brother even brought me a cup of water because I didn't know how to get my own cup of water. I'll never forget that greeting, such a simple act of love. And yet one that had so much impact, so much encouragement packed into that simple ministry of greeting other Christians. We have a welcoming ministry in our church whose focus in ministry is to greet the saints. Yet let's not un- misunderstand the purpose of that ministry. The purpose of that ministry is to bring a focus, is to be a catalyst to all of the body greeting one another in Christ. And if I could just exhort us this morning from this word, for some of us, what it means to practice this one another is that you and I, God is moving us out of our social comfort zones so that we greet every saint in Christ Jesus. You know, it's so easy. I speak this as a personal confession and a personal struggle. It's so easy to get in a routine of coming Sunday after Sunday and you maybe fellowship with the same five to ten people every Sunday. You know, you kind of feel that this is your comfort zone. These are the people you feel familiar with and usually it's connected to a common life stage or a common age or common experiences and you just kind of come on Sunday and you get into the routine of the same 10 people, same five people. I believe that what Paul is saying here when he says greet every saint in Christ Jesus is he's calling us to move out of those comfort zones and to greet a saint who you may not naturally feel comfortable with. You know, for some of us, it may be that you start greeting the youth group of our church. I mean, you just, some of you, you you feel like, man, it's, it's just, Um, I have such an age gap here. What do I have in common with a high schooler or a junior high? And yet if you are in Christ Jesus and that youth is in Christ Jesus, you have everything in common and you ought to greet one another. For some of us, it's greeting those outside of our common life stages or outside of our care groups. It's singles greeting the marrieds. It's parents greeting students in the church. It's the students greeting the retirees in our church. Students, you may feel uncomfortable. I'm just trying to get through midterms. I'm trying to decide on a major. What do I have in common with a saint who has raised children and who has grandchildren? Oh, brother, if you are in Christ Jesus, you have everything in common with that saint? Are we moving out of our comfort zones to greet every saint in Christ Jesus? I believe that this text, verse 21, is a remedy, it is a corrective for the cliquishness that can easily develop in the church's fellowship. And by cliquishness, I mean that the, the church splinters into groups that feel more socially like one another and the common bond in our fellowship is not Christ and our faith in Christ, but it is our comfort zones with one another. And I believe God would be moving us out of those comfort zones to talk to people who we may not initially feel comfortable with. I believe this simple exhortation has a transforming potential upon the church's fellowship. And how awesome it would be to see this lived out in our church. You know, some of you, when, if you're serious about applying this one another, you're going to experience some very awkward social moments in our church. I remember there's been some times when I've come to a brother or sister in this church, and I've said, welcome to Cornerstone. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, how did you find us on your first Sunday? And they said, oh, you know, actually, I've been going here for seven months now. And I'll be like, oh, you know, uh, yeah, well, you know, greetings in Christ. I mean, uh, and I've done that. If I've done that to you, I apologize. I mean, it happens. You just... You know, those kind of things happen when, when you're serious about applying this thing, when you're serious about not just hanging out with, your, with buddies or friends or people, but you're trying to reach out and move outside. Those kind of social awkward moments, it just happens. And if it happens to you, it's, it's probably a good sign that you are applying the one another in verse 21. Brothers and sisters, let us greet one another if we are serious about applying this exhortation, we will become intentional about learning people's names. You know, the truth of the gospel is that God knows our names. God loves us individually. We individually are the children of God. And one of the expressions of our greetings toward one another is just to be more intentional about learning names. Now, I'm like you. I used to use this as an excuse for years. Oh, I'm just bad at names. I'm just a person who's bad at names. I just use that as an excuse. And then I realize everybody uses that excuse. Nobody's good at names. We become good at names when we are intentional about loving people. And one of the expressions is just to greet people by name. Now, if you... If I have not yet learned your name, I apologize. And if you are not known by name in this church, we apologize. But that is the focus and the desire of our fellowship in this church, to learn people's names. You know, if Paul could remember at the church in Rome that there is a and phlegon and hermes and patrobas, and Philologus, and Julia, and Nerus, and Olympus, then truly we can be encouraged to learn the saints' names. Sometimes that means when you're meeting someone, you just mentally need to, to dial in and not be distracted, and just dial in what is their name and repeat it in your mind a couple times. This is what because of, of my short-term memory of just, this is something that I tried to do, to to at least give myself a chance of remembering the name and to repeat that name a few times in my head so that I can go home and remember the saints' names and greet them in Christ. Paul says, greet one another. Greet one another. It is the simplest, most basic expression of Christian love. And Paul says in verse 21, The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. I'm not just calling you to greet one another, but I'm sending you greetings from all the saints here. The greetings of the church go beyond the local church to other churches who share the same faith in Christ. When Paul says brothers, he would have meant men like Epaphroditus and Timothy, men who were laboring with Paul in gospel ministry. And he widens the circle in the next sentence. He says, all the saints greet you, all those in Rome. And would you notice here, he says, especially those of Caesar's household. That's a a very encouraging phrase. God had placed Paul in Rome and Paul had preached the gospel to the praetorian guard. Paul had preached the gospel to the Navy SEALs of Rome, and from there the gospel had gone on to reach even those of Caesar's household, those under the direct employ of Caesar. And Paul says, There are new believers in Caesar's household who are greeting you, Philippians, as a church. The greetings of the church encompass the new believers who are in our midst, brothers and sisters may I especially encourage you that if you are an older saint in Christ Jesus, encompass and embrace the newer saints in Christ Jesus and greet them in Christ. If you are an older member of Cornerstone Bible Church, be sure to embrace and encompass the newer saints who are here at Cornerstone and express your love for them by just greeting them. Just greet them in the Lord. Greet one another in Christ Jesus. Paul concludes this letter by giving his greetings to the saints. And then in verse 23, we move to the second point in this message, and that is he concludes this letter by affirming God's grace to the church. God's grace to the church. He says, verse 23, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. I just remind you that this epistle has been a letter about Jesus Christ. It has been a letter that is focused on the person and work of the Son of God who has died for our sins. Approximately 40 times Christ has been mentioned, and the glories of his work has been explained. In chapter 1, verse 21, Paul said, For me to live is Christ. Chapter 1, 23, Paul says, My desire is to depart and be with Christ. Chapter 2, verse 5, Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ. Chapter 3, verse 7, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Chapter 3, verse 8, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ. Chapter 3, verse 9, I want to have a righteousness that is not my own, but that which comes through faith in Christ. This entire book has been a book about Christ. Paul has spoken to us about the pursuit of knowing Christ, treasuring Christ, loving Christ, having Christ at the center of our lives. And he ends this letter by focusing our hearts on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. He wants to end with the grace of Christ, the unmerited favor and blessing of Christ because it is this grace that is at the heart of the gospel and it is this grace that is at the heart of the Christian life. You remember back in chapter one, verse two, Paul greeted the church and saying, grace to you. In other words, grace to to you in the present may you experience the unmerited favor of God right here right now as you are reading this letter and now as Paul concludes this great epistle he ends by saying grace be with you grace be with you not only in the present experience but also in the future as you leave this letter affirms the grace of God that is working in their lives. And he says that the grace of Jesus Christ will be with you as you go from here. That's just a basic affirmation that we want to drink in this morning. That the grace of God that comes to us through Jesus Christ, through the work of the Son of God, is not just a grace experienced in the past. There are past aspects of God's grace in our lives. Our conversion, our salvation, our regeneration, the forgiveness of sins, our adoption as sons of God in Jesus Christ. Those are all past aspects of God's grace. And we look back on the past and we give God thanks. What Paul is pointing us to in verse 23 is that the grace of God is not just past. The grace of God is also future. There's more grace that is to come for every believer in Christ. There is more grace that is to come as we leave this epistle and as we go and move forward as a church. There is more grace to come until the day we get to heaven. And even in heaven, when we go to be with Christ, there will be more grace that still is to come because for endless ages in eternity future, God will show us and unfold His infinite grace toward us as we are those who belong to Christ Jesus. There is more grace in the future that Paul affirms for the Philippian church. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Be with your spirit. John Piper has commented on these texts. and saying this, he said, at the beginning of his letters, Paul saw that grace is about to flow to Christians, and so he says, grace to you. But at the end of the letter approaches Question rises, what becomes of the grace that has been flowing to the readers through this letter? And Paul answers with the blessing, Grace be with you. Grace be with you as you put the letter away and leave the church. Grace be with you as you go home to deal with a sick child and to deal with a difficult marriage. Grace be with you as you go to your workplaces and face the temptations for of anger and dishonesty. Grace be with you as you muster up courage to speak for Christ with unbelievers. Grace be with you as you conclude this letter. He says grace is ready to flow to us every time we take up the inspired scriptures and then grace will abide with us when we lay our Bible down and we go about our daily living. And that is the affirmation that I would want to make this morning is that as we conclude our study of the book of Philippians, God's grace will be with us as we go from here. John Newton has said this, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. That's past. "'Twas grace that led me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home." That's future. The grace of God is not exhausted in what we have experienced in the past. The grace of God will be with us as we move forward in life as a church. What I would say to you this morning is simply this that the grace that is still yet to be future the grace that is still yet to be experienced as we move forward is sufficient is more than sufficient for any trial any circumstance any problem that we will ever face and so we look into the past and we experience gratitude and we look into the future and we experience confidence. What are the mountains that are before you in your life? What are the dangers, toils, and snares that aren't not just past but are still in the future? May I say to you that God's grace will be sufficient for you. Let us trust in the grace of God Let us trust in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, brothers and sisters, as we close our series in the book of Philippians, I would say to you, grace to you. Grace to you. May you experience the grace of God in the here and now. May you experience the grace of God even as you are listening to the words of God that are contained in this text. And I would also say to you, grace be with you. Grace be with you as you close this book, as we close this series, as we close the scriptures, and as we go on from Sunday into Monday, and as we go on to live our normal lives. May the grace of God be with you, with your spirit. In the words of Philippians 4, verse 19, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's close our time in a word of prayer. Father we close our time our series in the book of Philippians by thanking you for your grace thank you for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ which was expressed at the cross in which his hands and feet were nailed to a tree where the holy wrath of God was unleashed upon the divine substitute, that we may receive the blessing that we do not deserve. Oh Lord, your grace has been sufficient for us, sufficient for every sin, sufficient for every trial, sufficient for every temptation. And Lord, your grace will continue to be sufficient for us. And so we look to the future with confidence and hope because your grace will continue to be with us. Lord, make us into people who are changed by your grace. Give us hearts, Lord, not only to receive your grace, but to extend that grace to one another. Help us to express grace toward one another and simply greeting one another with personal affection that our church would be a culture of grace as well. Lord, we just give you praise and thanks for the last number of months. We've been privileged to study your word. May Your grace be with us as we leave this letter and as we move on as a church. We pray this in Christ's precious name. Amen.